Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new Ian Hates Conversations. My guest tonight is Brendan Frey of Hostile Array. They just recently released their self-titled debut album, Independently, and you definitely have to check it out. Do you like metalcore? Do you like post-hardcore? How about mixed with politics? If so, then you're going to love this conversation. Let's get right to it with the track Heard Instinct by Hostile Array. And I will see you after the conversation. Enjoy. everyone and welcome back i am very happy because tonight i'm joined by brendan from hostile array brendan how are you doing tonight doing all right can't complain awesome yeah we just had 
a small conversation off air. Once again, I am very glad to hear no outside noises, a very good, clear connection. This is awesome right from the start. <laughs> Great. And I know you might not be used to hearing that, but for me, that is awesome. So I guess right away, I wanted to congratulate you on the brand new self-titled album. I don't know if you heard the review on Ian Hates Music, but we were really big fans. Yeah, I heard it. I was I was actually really stoked to to hear that uh, that kind of feedback. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, absolutely. And I guess that is a good place to start. You know, the album came out very recently. What has the response been? You know, besides our show, what has everyone been saying? Overall, it's it's been fairly uh, positive. I mean, good. there's always going to be a. Uh, a couple negative reviews here and there, but uh, sure. uh, I've been honestly blown away by by some of the feedback. I think that uh, we definitely got to the place that we that we wanted to be, um, just from just from what people have been saying. Um, so it's, it's it's humbling in that sense. No, that's really great to hear. And I guess now, does some of that possible criticism does that come from you being a pretty political band? I mean, we've we've definitely gotten some reception from people that just you know they they say it's just too political for from them. But uh, the reviews themselves have usually been pretty supportive about the political aspect. There was there was one random review that came in that said that we weren't that we weren't passionate enough about what we were talking about. I'm like, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, wow. I'm not sure how much more you want us to put in. I don't I don't know if they just weren't pleased with the, how the music came across because i mean we're not like we're not like a super heavy band or anything like that so i'm not sure they were looking for like the most aggressive thing in the world just from a sonic aspect um yes yeah but i felt like we kind of made our our statement the way we wanted it to so i was like whatever <laughs> yeah no i guess you have to let that kind of stuff roll off your back because yeah i definitely would not say you can't hear passion in what you're doing i mean reading the lyrics, you know, seeing your music videos, and then just hearing it in general. Yeah, that's a really weird one. Maybe they just weren't paying attention. Uh, I I have no idea. <laughs> and I don't expect that, you to know. That's for sure. That that was the last response I kind of expected. I expected him to say something, oh, like, you know, like, this shit sucks or something like that, just musically <laughs> or something. But, like, that that threw me, threw me off. And I was like, hey, whatever works, man. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. But yeah, I mean, you know, barring all that, it's very good to hear that you're getting a lot of positive response because I think one of the reasons why, first of all, obviously, I'm a big fan of your music, but one of the reasons why I also wanted to talk to you is because I don't get to talk to people that are very political, that especially where it comes out in the music. I mean, there are a few bands you can talk about, probably the classics, right? You've got Rage Against the Machine. Recently, you've got like the Fever 333. But in general, maybe I'm not looking as much around that genre. But to have, for me, you know, almost classic metalcore-sounding, post-hardcore-sounding band that also talks about politics and a lot of stuff that I agree with, it's just nice to hear. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely a little bit different than what I would say you're used to hearing in that sense. Because, right. like, I mean, I feel like the political spectrum of, of bands are predominantly, you know, punk-influenced. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I love punk music and everything, but uh, just I, I kind of always grew up playing in more metal and metalcore focused uh, bands. 
right. um, just from when I was younger and everything. So uh, just as I got older and a little bit more impassioned about politics, it just kind of felt like an, a natural transition to bring that in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of bands like for, from the from the metal side, I would say things like Molotov Solution was always a, oh, sure. a big influence for me uh, um, when I was younger. Um, so kind of bring that that uh, pissed off kind of vibe <laughs> um, definitely came from them to an extent. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely say you don't hear too many bands playing this genre specifically doing the political stuff. The the only other one I can really think of that really even fits in that is like you said, like the Fever, and then uh, actually our our friends here in in Maryland, uh, Sharp Tooth, but they focus oh, sure. a little bit more on um on. Uh, I would issues. say feminist issues yeah, exactly. than, uh, than anything else. Right. No, you're absolutely right on that. And yeah, I mean, I guess, and maybe we should clear this up for people who maybe unfortunately haven't heard the new album yet, but you're not in favor of what the government's doing and, and the backing of politics and what you're saying. So it's nice to hear something that's kind of, I guess, fighting back, that's kind of trying to you know, bring that knowledge to people that everything's really not okay in our political system. Right. That I mean that's that's really kind of the the intention we were going for. I mean from from a personal level there there is some some variance in in our own political identity between the members. Okay. Uh, I mean I mean I would say I probably lean a little bit more to the uh, I guess the the libertarian scale of things. I yeah. I, want, I don't want to claim necessarily that label just because there's a lot of bad connotations that can come with that sometimes. Right. I mean, just the world of like internet trolls and things like that to just completely ruin political ideology like that. Right. Um, and then, you know, we also have some members that are a little bit more, you know, that would, would have been, I guess, falling more in line with like the Bernie kind of supporters, you know, Oh sure. but we're, we're, but we're all tired of this, this broken system. Um, and I think that's really why, we really just wanted to get that out in this sense. I mean, especially, especially with such a divisive um, time politically, mm-hmm. um, the, the 2016 election alone was just like, it was, it was like something I'd never seen before. Right. <laughs> right. That's a mild way of putting it. That's for sure. But yeah. yeah. And I was going to say, you know, I did my research and, you know, I've been a fan for a while. So I kind of thought, based on lyrics that you would kind of lean more libertarian. I definitely see that. And I would say for myself, I lean a lot more libertarian as well. And it just came to mind when you said the word libertarian, the other band that's pretty political, especially on that libertarian label is, uh, do you know backwards? Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with, with Eric and and his work. Yeah. (laughs) That's a person who has taken that label completely on. So I understand, oh, yeah. you know, I wouldn't necessarily label myself as hardcore as he is. That's for sure. It's more of a, a leaning libertarian, but still understanding, you know, all the different sides. And I think that probably right. comes out a lot more. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the 2016 election, what we're going through right now, it's a good time to be political. It's a good time to get that message out there. Definitely. And, and honestly, like, you brought up backwards and uh and i've i've had a little back and forth here and there with eric before on facebook mm-hmm. um i i he's uh, he's more on the the anarcho capitalist <laughs> kind of scale of things yeah um and i mean personally i i i love the the theoretical idea of anarchy mm-hmm. 
but I don't really think it's necessarily something that you're ever going to see practically implemented as right. opposed to someone like Eric who would, who would advocate for that to be an ideal system. I just don't think that you're ever going to be able to fully pull away from, from some form of governance. Right. Um, so I definitely think that if you reduce federal power, at least, um, in kind of more localized things and empower states to kind of dictate a lot of their, uh, their policies and, and things of that nature, I think you'd see a lot less power for, uh, power to um to corrupt if you would if you would sure um but yeah it's just it's this kind of difference in in how to execute really i would say right and i guess that's the way everything is right i mean my whole thing i think the most or the thing that i think about the most when it comes to politics is the extremes because it seems like that's all we get now we have extreme conservatives, extreme liberals, and we have extreme libertarians. And maybe there's even another group that I'm completely forgetting. But I'd least... probably say extreme socialist as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But when you say, I mean, isn't the joke normally that extreme socialists are actually extreme liberals anyways? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that it can definitely be related in that sense. For sure. But yeah, that's, I think that's one of the major issues. And that's why I like listening to what you're saying on this album it's not that you're saying we need to do anything that's extreme. We don't have to go extreme one way, extreme the other. But the way you're saying it, there's that passion of extremity. You know what I mean? There's that passion of being extreme. And right. that's what I like in my music. Yeah, well, I think that so many people try to focus on on platforms when it's really about taking it to the heart of the issue. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I didn't really want to attack anything specifically like um, – I know talking back and forth with with the producer we work with, um, he was talking about getting really targeted with some of the some of the lyrics, and I kind of wanted to just take a step back and focus on the on the overall larger concept and make it more a little I guess a little bit more timeless in that sense. Sure. I I don't want to necessarily focus on one political entity or something of that nature. I want to make it so that the concept can make you think about it for yourself. Right, and I think even without choosing a side. It's not like you're playing the game safe by doing that because every eight years it's been, we go from one extreme to the other, but yet they're still the same issues that you're talking about. Right. And I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of problems with, with our current administration. There's problems with the administrations beforehand. Right. Um, I mean, there's for me, there's just as many disappointments with the current Trump administration as there is with the with the Obama administration, Absolutely. sometimes for the, sometimes for the exact same thing and sometimes for completely opposite reasons. But I mean, I'll be damned if I'm not critical of both, though. Oh, yeah. And that's why I love talking politics with people, especially someone like you, at least from, you know, not knowing you personally, but from listening to your music, from, you know, reading about you, it seems like you've got that view of all the different sides. And I think that's what we're missing right now, especially at this time in 2018. It seems like people are only looking one way or the opposite way, you know, to the extreme. And it's really nice to be able to balance both of those and figure out that root of the problem, which is what you were talking about. Right. Well, I think a lot of people want the same thing. They, they want the same results. It's It's about how do we practically get there? And we have to not get so dogmatic in our in our own principles, but to just to look at a, a practical way of solving issues. 
And that's, I mean, that's really the key of it. I mean, there's, there's going to be little bits of compromise here and there, but as long as you don't compromise on the, the key underlying principles, which I think is really to focus on maximizing the rights of, of individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, As long as you do that, I don't think you can go wrong. Right. Now you bring up the word rights and the concept of rights. So if you do lean more libertarian, what do you think the right of people, and this is a very broad question, so I should actually kind of focus this down a little bit. Are you talking about how, you know, should the government be giving us the right of free health care? Should the government be deciding on the right to bear arms? Like, which way are you talking about in that sense? Well, those, specifically health care and, and gun control are, are two very hard issues to approach. Right. Um, as far as the healthcare aspect goes, um, that that's something that I don't even know if I if I fully have have grasped my own perfect solution for that. Oh sure. Um, because I mean, it, theoretically, I would say that you know, being forced to give any of your income for someone else, I it would be a form of of coercion. Sure. But at the same time. We don't live in a system where I don't think we're ever going to get 100% away from taxes. Right. Um, I do think that I would much rather see tax money going towards a social benefit than for you know indefinite foreign intervention. I mean, right. you look at our defense budget and and what we actually spend that on. Um, I much rather see if we're going to be taxed, doing it for the good of the people. Right. Than to just keep going with this conquest. And I'm not saying we can't have any defense budget, but if you look at how extreme that is and what we spend it on, I mean, it's it's absurd. Right, right. Um, as opposed to like gun control, I mean, I know, especially in these divisive times with school shootings and everything, I would I would aim myself a little bit more to the, uh, to, uh, the right to bear arms. But mm. at the same time, you know, I don't want someone who's schizophrenic um, purchasing a gun. Now, right. what, what proper gun control looks like, I, I think a lot of the times gun control can be masked to be one thing when it's really more of an arms grab, but I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, every, let's, let's, let's look at the issue. You know, let's talk and try to figure out a practical solution. Right. Um, and there's, there's multiple factors there. Um, but I don't think going super extreme one way or the other, is ever to answer, but like I said, with gun control, I definitely lean a little bit m- much stronger to the the right to bear arms than anything else. Yeah, and I think in most cases I'm the same way on that as well. And I know I put you on the spot there with two very difficult questions, but one of the things that I enjoyed about listening to your music, and one of the reasons why you know school shootings and you know healthcare and everything is blown not out of proportion because they're very important but that a lot of people don't get the necessary facts that they need is, you know, caused by the media. And I completely agree. Yeah. I have really enjoyed listening to, you know, when you talk about that, because that's been a thing that I've been against for a really long time. It's probably the only thing. And I know he probably doesn't even truly believe in what he's saying, but when Trump talks about the media, he's not all wrong. No, and and honestly, it, it's it's frustrated me so much to hear him criticize media because at the same time, I'm I'm so excited that someone's saying it from a right. position of power, 
but the way he's going about it is so obnoxious because yep. he'll only pick out one side and say that they're twisting the story while, you know, it's like, hey, I'm going to be buddy-buddy with with Fox News. Right. And it's like they're they're twisting the story just as much <laughs> as the other station, right. as the other major media outlet. They're all twisting it for their own narrative. And so the terms like fake news just kind of make me cringe a little bit. And that <laughs> by by no means is that what I want to portray with, with no. our music by any means. Right, right. Um, but I mean there there is something to be said. I don't I don't trust any mainstream media. I think that you have to keep that skeptical eye. Right. Um I think one of the first times I ever really started thinking that way was um actually uh if you look into the lyrics of our song uh, "Newspeak," mm-hmm. um, it makes a reference to to uh, the word "mockingbird," which in the 1950s, I believe, was Operation Mockingbird by the CIA, right. where they were actually paying um, newscasters to spin stories for their own um, for their own agenda and pushing their own narrative. Right. Which I think when I first realized that, I was like, "You got to be kidding me." And this right. this is this is considered okay, and no one no one really thinks too much about it. And I think that was one of the first times my head just started spinning a little bit. I was like, "Man, I, no, I you gotta you gotta critique everything." Yeah, no, for sure. And I think we've grown up in a generation where we don't have. I mean, you talk about the 1950s, and that's you know that's far back enough. But even our generation, we don't have anyone to really look up to to be like that's someone we can trust to give us unbiased news. You know, people used to talk about Walter Cronkite or people like that. That's not someone that we have. So you have to, as you said, do your own digging and make sure you don't believe every meme that's out there with random stats because those aren't true. And then CNN's going to spin things the way they want. Fox News is going to spin things they want. It's very difficult to find. And let's face it, a lot of people, one, are either lazy or two, just don't have the time to go and search out to know what they can and cannot trust. Right. Well, and, and some people just like to get into these echo chambers as well. Oh, for where sure. They just, where they just latch on to whatever flavor of, of media they want. Mm-hmm. And they, they take that as, as fact when really they don't, they don't realize the spin that's being put on it. I mean, if, if I really want to... If I personally want to grab onto an issue and find all the facts, I'm going to research it. Mm-hmm. But I know at the same time, there's plenty of people that are either just too apathetic or just want to stay in their own bubble to really see what's actually happening. Um, and it's a little disheartening, but that's that's one of the reasons why I think it's it's important for, I mean, at least for us. I, I don't know how much of a reach we're going to have in that sense, but I mean, if I can just get a few people to start thinking differently, then they can also inspire someone else to start thinking differently and start pushing in that sense. And that's really what I want to see yeah. is, is just people to start thinking differently and start thinking critically about issues and see, see the flaws in the issue and then start thinking about it for yourself. Right. We're going to move this back to music probably right after this because obviously, <laughs> look, I love talking all this stuff, so this is great for me. But we're also going to talk music and then we'll get back to some of this. But the way we're going to do that is that's the message, at least that's my interpretation of what I think that your message is for this album, is not saying specifically that we need to do this, we need to do this. Sure, there's some, you know, they're very blatant of, you know, your opinions on certain things. 
but I think it's that end track that you have, and it's called Disillusional. Sorry, Disillusioned. I said Disillusional for some reason. It's called <laughs> Disillusioned. And in that track, you seem to really put everything out there saying, hey, don't believe everything you read, and we're basically not telling you exactly what to do. You just need to be out there searching for your truth. Right. And, and, that's, and that's really what it is. And then in addition to that, that, that song also kind of was about holding those who, who manipulate the system accountable ah, at the sure. same time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually, you'll, you'll probably see this uh, in, in the coming months. We actually just finished filming a video for that. And, oh, nice. uh, I think the, uh, I think the message is pretty clear in that sense, <laughs> but I mean, you kind of hit the, hit the nail on the head there. Good. Okay. I do like to know that I'm actually on the right track with things. So that's good. But that's what I <laughs> that's what I enjoyed about listening to your music is that you're not necessarily telling us or telling the audience what to do except to be like, "Hey, don't trust everything. Go do your research so that you're informed so you can make those informed decisions later." And, you know, that's what people were saying in, you know, 2016 with the election, but people were so hold off not looking at all that, that this is what we got. And I'm not saying, you know, necessarily that this is the absolute worst thing that could have happened, but it seems like it is. Yeah. Um, and in some ways I would say yes. In other ways, I mean, it, how do you know the unknown, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine a more outrageous and just flamboyantly strange administration but i mean who who knows it, it could have been even worse yeah I, I wasn't i wasn't very happy with our uh two final results there at all no um there there were nope. a handful of other candidates i would have happily taken before what we what we ended up with right right <laughs> now that makes total sense all right we will get back to politics but let's go back a little bit when we did the review of the album on the show I didn't mention the backstory about this because I kind of wanted to get into it with you. So you're not new to the scene. You're not a, you're a new band, but you've been doing music for a while. And you used to be, I mean, this band basically used to be My Ransom Soul. And you had three full-length albums out as My Ransom Soul. So I understand that you want to do something new, but why the rebranding of the band itself? So, I mean, th- there's a couple different reasons for that. I mean, I, th- I think the most driving reason behind it was just, I mean, that was a band that I started when I was about 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm 25 now. Right. So uh, after playing in that band and kind of learning and growing and all the history that was there, I mean, kind of looking back on the discography, I mean, you go back to like the first DP to the to the final album i mean there there was a lot of growth there yeah but at the same time you know you always have people judging your earliest work and some people not even giving you giving you the time of day i mean i remember i remember playing a show in i think about 2014 or so 20 maybe even 2015 mm-hmm. where a, um, a kid came to a show and he, he looked at me and he said yeah i haven't seen you guys play since since 2008, I didn't realize you guys were still playing or that you guys still did this kind of stuff. Cause probably I'm assuming they just saw the name, just wanted nothing to do with it. Wow. <laughs> you know, they okay. get, they get their the early impression and they just, they just don't go with it anymore. You know, they, they don't want to give it a second chance, even though there's, there's growth and there's, right. and there's a new product coming. 
And, oh, very true. And over time, I mean, we had oh an absurd amount of lineup changes, as you can imagine. You know, starting off as like a a high school band and everything, and mm-hmm. and honestly, a lot of what we we stood for was different than what we currently stand for. I mean, back when we started it, I mean, it was a bunch of kids that went to church together. And I mean, we were, we were started off as, you know, as a lot of people, I feel like in the, in the early, uh, early two thousands were doing was there was, we were a Christian metalcore band. Sure. And, you know, after, after time, you know, the number changes, not everyone really had the same view of, of faith. I know I, even though I, I, a faith i don't necessarily have the same beliefs that i had back then and some some of the people in the band now don't believe in in any deity and some do sure but uh there was just there were a bunch of different factors there that was like it's it's time to put it to rest and and start something fresh so the 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 final lineup of of my ransom soul um everyone has been in that since 2015 is uh since the 2015 lineup is currently uh in hostile array yeah right okay now that totally makes sense i guess the only question that i had about that transfer i guess is that when i look back it wasn't like especially with the last couple albums it wasn't like you guys were you know singing about heartbreak and relationships you were still on the same path of talking politics right uh, it was it was a progression, honestly. I, I feel like my my earlier work was more about things of my of my own struggles with just life and and faith and things like that. But I'd probably say our our second full length, um, we started to kind of dabble in politics, and then our last full length, we we started getting a little bit more into it, and then finally we're just like. I think after we were done releasing that, we're like, okay, we, we want to focus more on that kind of material. That's, right. that's the direction we want to go. Um, so that's, it just kind of happened. We, we set our sights on that and, and went for it. Now, the one issue that I don't know completely about was with those releases, were you always on red cord? So we <laughs> red cord records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a one album deal with them uh we we released our our album falsehoods and there was just all kinds of um strange complications with that that label Understood. um so uh we we were happy to only be a one and done granted we we met a lot of really cool people um the producer we still work with to this day oh good um he he was someone that we met through that situation mm-hmm. um and i think we probably both have the same feelings towards that label (laughs) (laughs) gotcha well the reason why and really the only reason why i bring it up is because going from my ransom soul now to hostile array the production value is awesome so you're you're treating it like you know you're on a label but you're doing everything independently will you be looking for a label in the future or do you think you have everything covered being independent I think we're always open to working with someone else, but I don't ever want it to be a, a thing where we're reliant on someone else. I want it to be a partnership if I'm going to work with someone. Right. So if, you know, if let's say some indie label approached me and said, hey, we're going to offer you this, this, and this, like it needs to be something that they can do for us that we can't do for ourselves. Sure. Um, I mean, 
all the guys in the band work full time. Some of us have, you know, our, our career jobs already figured out. Um, I mean, we we can fund most of what we need to do. It's more about can you provide this connection for us? You know, can you provide us the next step in our in our career as far as that goes? But um, I mean, if we can do it ourselves, we will. And if someone wants to come alongside us and help us out, then more power to them. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the question then. What do you see as the next step that you would need help with? Well, there's there's always the uh, the factor of um, uh, really just getting on the right tours, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, especially for a band kind of starting out as, as we are. I mean, we, we're not entirely starting out new because like, like you said, we've, we've been doing music for a while and but that's still the the new name, the new brand. The I mean, to a lot of people, this is this is 100% brand new. And, and to us, we we try to treat it as something brand new. It's just right. we have a lot more knowledge coming in than than a lot of fresh artists would would have. Um, but I mean, there's there's all kinds of connections like that that I feel like is just that's the next step we need. Well, with that career orientation, basically that you guys have, or that some of you have, would you be able to do? a large-scale tour like is that what you're trying for and also let's just add another question on there who would you think you would really work with in that kind of tour situation the the second part is probably the harder one for me (laughs) honestly um i mean i know that uh at least two of us have uh have local government jobs Mm -hmm. uh i i myself um work for for the local government doing cybersecurity work there you go. Okay. Um, so, I mean, government benefits are, are fun in the fact that they give you a, a substantial amount of leave. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh, am I looking to do a, a touring, you know, 300 days out of the year? No, I, I, it would it would take a lot of uh, a lot of um, money to get me out of the, the job that I'm in right now. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it just benefits on top of that. But uh, do, do I want to be able to, you know, do a couple tours a year, you know, do it, go out for, you know, a month at a time. Sure. I, I think that's, that's more than, more than foreseeable with us. I mean, um, I think all of us have a little bit of flexibility in that sense. And we also, also have uh, friends who are more than willing to, to fill in if someone needs to uh, uh, take a time off from a tour or something of that nature. So oh, okay. I think, I think we're definitely, we're ready for that. It's just more of a, uh, finding the right opportunity. Um, as far as the the types of bands we'd we'd like to tour with, it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's plenty of bands we 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 love that would um that'd be amazing to just to to open for. And how realistic it is, I don't know. I mean, we, we grew up listening to to artists like you know like Under Oath and, and sure. Norma Jean and things mm-hmm. like that. And uh, you know how realistic something like that is. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Um, but uh. That that older post hardcore and in metalcore, anything in that that realm, I think we would sonically fit with uh, bands like Silent Planet. I oh mean, yeah, I mean I've had some surprising. I didn't realize when we were creating this album some some comparisons to our music to theirs, and I was like, you know, I kind of see it. Okay. <laughs> no, I I definitely did. So yeah, um, I, I totally agree. Yes, I mean artists like that would always be something that we would we would we would kill to to tour with artists like that but um uh, other than that i mean it's it's really whatever is going to give us the opportunity to uh take the next step right now 
I've already kind of put you on the hot seat a couple of times tonight, but I got to do it again because it's it's a very fresh issue, the one I'm going to bring up right now. So you mentioned, you know, having some type of faith. I mean, if you read the lyrics of, you know, what you've done on your self-titled, you know, God does come up a few times for sure. So my question to you would be, if As I Lay Dying came calling and said, hey, we need you guys to open up some shows, would that be something you would go for? That is the tough one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, a very hard one to deal with. Um, because, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of different takes on this. And uh, I personally still feel uh, a little uncomfortable with, uh, uh, well, rightfully so, with uh, the the actions and the, the things that have happened surrounding this. Right. Um, I think that, uh, the article I recently saw from, uh, from metal sucks kind of, uh, summed it up a little bit Ah, where uh, I come from a little bit more of a perspective of, you know, how does, how does the the victim in this situation feel about the the comeback? You know, how does, how does his wife feel about this? And I I feel like I would need a little bit more information on that to even process. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely all for the idea of, of forgiveness and, and moving on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is someone that has a platform where people look up to him. Right. And I don't know if we necessarily want to make that a staple of, of especially this music community. Um, so it, it's something that I would have to, I would have to personally work through. Right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, there's a, there's a lot to a lot of complications and something like that. Oh, for sure. And and I'm not condemning you either way because we just had on the show a whole not even a debate, not an argument, but just stating the facts of the issue because once again, you know, talk about politics, there's politics in music as well. And oh, one of sure. the yeah, one of the most polarizing issues out there right now is do you even listen to the new As I Lay Dying track? Or do you completely say, no, we're not giving him and the band a platform for anything, or at least for the show, we kind of side in the middle still, because I do think what exactly what you said is there's forgiveness, there's second chances. I mean, if you think that the jail system, you know, all the issues that it has, of course, but then if you think the one thing that's supposed to do is supposed to help with some rehabilitation, you know, they cleared Tim of that and saying, hey, he's remorseful, he's done, you know, it wasn't the full time, but it was a little bit of the time, and he seems to be remorseful and want to be a productive member of society, do you not trust that whatsoever? And I think that's what people are still going back and forth on. Right. Well, in in, in a perfect system, I would like to really believe that that prison should be there for rehabilitation, not this this punitive system that we have where it's just to relentlessly punished right um i I don't necessarily fall on that that side of the uh spectrum when it comes to that belief but i mean it's i'd be more worried about about the example it sets than more so whether or not this person can be forgiven and and move on with their life um i mean i don't think i'm necessarily going to shame anyone if they they enjoy the music and everything i think i think it is problematic to just blow it off and not consider it and say music's music right, right. Uh, i mean i think that that anyone who is going to come in and, and listen should probably at least have a thought about it you know yeah. at least try to process and think about 
reflect on on this kind of choice. No, no, for sure. But at the same time, do, do I think that they should be banished from the community? I I don't I don't really know the right answer on that. I mean, like I said, I I'd, I'd like to to think that real rehabilitation is is a real thing and that they did their time. But I mean, at the same time, what if he had been successful? Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's such a complicated thing to wrestle with there. No, it is. And I think the whole point of your music and then what we've been talking about is looking at things from all angles and then making the informed decision on what you think and then going ahead with that. And you don't necessarily have to condemn people, but you can make up your own mind on whether or not you give the support or you just let it go. Right. So, yeah, that makes total sense. All right. So I'm going to try not to do that and put you on the spot with all the rest of the questions that I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Just, just keep it coming, man. We right. got this. <laughs> there we go. All right. So one big thing that I always latch on to is vocals. And I'm a big fan of what you did on the self-titled album. You definitely made some changes from the past band. So can you tell everyone a little bit of the new techniques that you're working on and you know why you decided to go in that direction? Well, it's it's funny because with when I was doing Myra and some soul, I kind of stuck with more of that that mid to low tone mm-hmm. um, for for my voice, and didn't really branch out too much into the uh, into the I guess more clean aspect of my voice either. Um, mm-hmm. I, I did on the first full length, and I mean at that time, I just don't think I was ready for it vocally. Ah, okay. um, it just, I mean, the, the result there just wasn't uh, looking back on that album. I feel like that was the weakest part was, was my, my clean tone overall. It just wasn't, it just wasn't where it needed to be. Um, transitionally, as far as like trying to get my voice there, it just wasn't quite where I wanted to be. So I kind of just stuck more to the, the mid low tone screams for the, for the rest of the, uh, um, uh discography for my and soul right. um so before coming in to the studio for for the self-titled uh release we just did um i knew that i wanted to bring in kind of that harsher clean tone vocal yeah. that I had been pl- i had been playing with that a little bit hadn't fully mastered it i had sent a demo to uh to our producer um specifically a demo of devoid and um, he he was really stoked on. It. I wasn't sure how he was gonna feel. The rest of the band was stoked on how the 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 kind of the dirtier clean sound came across. Right. Um, but as far as the changing of the of the harsh vocal style, that wasn't even something that we really figured out until we got into the studio. I had come in there more with that stole that mid tone. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was younger, lear- first learning how to do any type of harsh vocal. Um, I had practiced a lot to, you know, albums like they're only chasing safety and things like that. Um, so I had learned that style of that, like that higher kind of like mid tone, but I never really got to utilize it that much. And my, uh, our producer really kind of pushed for me to, to change it up a little bit. I'm like, well, I can try doing this. Ah. He's like, okay, yeah, let, let me, let me hear it. So, and just like that, we, we, dug into it and he's like yes that's that's the tone we're using for this album that's that's what we should be going for so i'm glad he made the executive decision there because i'm, I'm very happy with how we the the whole vocal process on this album was um was experimental for me yeah. okay um a lot of it um was 
me learning it on the fly in the wow. studio doing late night recording sessions. <laughs> so uh, the one thing I, I really hope is that uh, any future recordings will be even more solid. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a lot of experimentation on the fly. Wow, that's really interesting. All right, so then for you know your sound in general for the cleans and uncleans that you've done in the past, did you have any? like actual training, any professional training, or was that something you also experimented with? So, I mean, when I was younger, I had some vocal training for like a year or two. Okay. Um, but that, and so I, I still was able to call a little bit upon some of the training there, but as far as actually getting the technique for, for this style that we're utilizing now, uh, it was, it was more just experimentation, um, during the pre-production phase. Okay. Um, uh, our good friend, uh, Caleb Rodriguez, actually, um, he was, uh, a, a vocalist for a band called, uh, Burden Hearts from our area here. Oh, sure. Um, he brought me into his home studio and we just kind of played around with some tracks and kind of, he really was very encouraging for me to get that, uh, to play with that sound a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, so it was really just experimentation and then solidifying it in studio. Um, I mean, I, I, don't think I really fully even got what I was trying to do until after <laughs> being in the studio and trying to practice to what we had already recorded. I'm like, how did I do that again? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's been a learning curve for sure. So then when you go out and you do some live shows coming up, are some of those going to actually change because you've learned something different in the technique you'll be using? Um, well, the first, I would say the first couple shows we did after the, after recording, it was it was a little weak. I, okay. I'll be completely honest. I, I wasn't quite where I wanted to be. And it's been more recently that I feel like I've, I've kind of finally understood how to control it better. Because, oh. I mean, I, I could hit it in the studio, but trying to being able to hit something in the studio where you're, you know, you're doing things between takes and everything and trying to keep up with the energy of a live show and really, you know, control your voice in that environment. Are completely different animals. I mean, that's, that's why we go to a show and you see a vocalist that's just doesn't quite sound like the album. It doesn't necessarily mean he's a you know a trash vocalist or something. It just right. means that you know his studio skills might be way more uh, more in tune than his live skills, and uh, I can respect that and I understand where they're coming from. Right. Right. So you basically now have some techniques and some exercises that you do to make sure that your voice is where you want it to be. Definitely. And I mean, and that's, and that's something I'm, I'm constantly working on. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm never truly a hundred percent satisfied, but then again, I, I don't think anyone should really ever be a hundred percent satisfied. And right. in that sense, you know, always wanting to improve, but I'm definitely at a, a much more confident self now than, than I was, let's say when, you know, we were playing our first two or three shows there. Ah, uh, okay. Doing that live show now saying you have, you know, your voice where you want it to be how do you choose the tracks that you're going to play? Is there anything that you don't play because you know right now the voice isn't exactly where you want it to be? Um, there, there's nothing that we haven't played because of necessarily the voice. Um, we we did kind of start off with a little bit more of the the harsh vocal songs with less uh, less of the uh, clean um, toned vocals there. Okay. Um, when we first started lining our setup, but we've kind of been able to incorporate that more um, over time um, to kind of mix up the set a little bit. Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, do you only play hostile array songs now? 
Yeah. Okay. We've uh, kind of put to, to rest any of the uh, Myers and Soul material just because, I mean, it, it's it's kind of like, you know, turning a new leaf in that sense. Exactly. You know, it's wanting to move on to something new. Yeah. It makes total sense for sure. So going to the creation of the album itself, what is your normal writing process? Are you completely in charge of, you know, writing all the lyrics? Do you guys do everyone gets together and it's a collaborative process? How do you guys normally do things? So how we did things on this past album was, I think, a little bit different than how we'll probably approach it going forward. Okay. Um, kind of, you know, lessons learned in that sense. This was the the first time where we really had, you know, the five of us actually writing together. Um, oh, Because, okay. I mean, when... When we put out our last Myron and Soul album, the only three people that were actually in the band when we recorded it were um, our two guitarists, Hector and Garrison, mm-hmm. and myself. Uh, we recorded that whole album literally with three people. <laughs> okay. um, so that was a, uh, it was definitely a different process in that sense. But uh, this time around, uh, a lot of the times, um, Garrison, our, uh, our one guitarist, who's actually my, my brother as right. well, mm-hmm. um, he uh kind of set the foundation for a lot of the music uh, i think we wrote probably close to 15 songs before going into the studio just oh, you know okay. different ideas and everything just to have enough to to surplus in that sense um and out of the 15 we came in with only nine actually made it to the album ah okay uh we actually ended up writing one in studio uh the song calloused was actually written ah, on sure. the spot okay um just you know playing and that that one was weird because that was the first time that i had actually picked up a guitar and wrote one of the riffs myself instead of instead of one of the guitarists you know writing the primary riff for that song yeah um but uh like i said garrison does a lot of the the foundational work for that um i'd say he had a hand probably in every single song except for devoid oh Uh, devoid was uh was mainly hector Hector mm-hmm. and myself collaborating, but a lot, most of the credit needs to go to him on that. Um, so we, we kind of all just were playing with some ideas and in, in pre-pro and I'm at, at, like I said, my our friend Caleb's house, he had a, you know, his home studio so that we, we were able to get involved in the pre-pro process there cool. um, and just keep, just keep revising ideas and keep recording and writing new material. Um, but one thing I'd definitely say we do differently than some artists, some artists, you know, write to the lyrics or, to a melody specifically normally the lyrics for for us i write completely on my own okay and then bring it into the studio and we kind of you know do a little bit of editing there but uh um the lyrics were something that i were taking on myself on my on my side over here so oh okay how do you normally get into that mode of writing are you constantly writing is it one of those kind of like spark of genius type things where it's like, Oh, all of a sudden you've got what you want to do. How do you normally work it? Sometimes there would be a spark where I'm like, I would have an idea in my head and I, I just needed to write that out. Um, but sometimes it was, I just need to sit down and force myself to think about an issue. Okay. Um, this, this writing process was definitely different than anything I had done before in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was really involved in in following politics during the uh <laughs> during the election cycle yeah um and i think that just whenever i saw a topic that really bothered me or or something i just felt 
the need to talk about, I would start writing about it and start focusing on that because I'll be like, no, this, this is the thing that we need to address here. Um, and I think that's something that really bothered me during that cycle was just there were so many times you'd be talking about an issue and no one would ever get to the root of the problem. Right. And I think that's where I just started grabbing things and, and going with it from there. Okay. All right. Now, you mentioned, you know, when you write future music that you might make some adjustments or corrections based on what you were doing before. What would those adjustments be? I think that I would probably bring our two primary uh, music writers, Hector and Garrison, probably a little bit more collaborative uh, okay. the next time around. Um, I mean, Garrison always has some very strange and creative ideas, which are awesome, but they sometimes need to be kind of brought in and filtered some. And, and Hector has a, uh, a certain writing style of his own, which also can use its own filtering. And I think just between the two of them, working more together instead of independently from the beginning, I think would be a, uh, a uh, much stronger uh, process in that sense. Ah, okay. Now, you have mentioned Garrison. I didn't know that he was your brother. Have you ever been in a band without Garrison? I've been in some projects on the side that never really took off. Uh, I played, you know, in a, a couple, start, tried to start a couple local acts with friends in the past. And, um, you know, I've filled in for other bands before. And, and I even for a little bit in high school, I even played bass in like a cover band ah. for a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, they, they told me there was going to be money involved, and there was no money involved. No in money. Cover band. I mean, I mean you know, why else are you play in a cover band, right? You know, exactly. have some fun, make a little bit of money, you know, playing some bar shows or something, but it didn't really quite pan out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as any serious project, um, him and I have always kind of just worked together. I mean, it's, it's just kind of made logical sense for us. And I guess what I was getting at with that was, I mean, do you guys fight a lot? Is it awesome because you're <laughs> brothers or I, I mean, I hear the different stories from time to time from bands where it's just like, ah, they're terrible to work with, but I would never have it any other way. Like, how does it work for you guys? It, it can be a blessing and a curse at the same time. <laughs> I mean, we definitely we definitely butt heads, mm -hmm. but we always know how to find a solution at the end of it. Ah. So it might be a little explosive at times you know, just between the two of us. But at the end of the day, we're, we're still going to work through it and, and come to a, a civil terms. And I can't really say that about, you know, conflicts I've had with, with some past members. I mean, not saying that all past members have had issues, but right. there've definitely been explosive times with, with people I've worked with in the past that, you know, it just never quite recouped. But with this, I mean, I mean, we we're still there for each other at the end of the day, no oh, matter how, crazy it may get so I, I definitely think like i said it's there there are pros and cons but at the end of the day we, we come out stronger because of it nice now kind of what you mentioned there conflict management you have to know how to handle people you know what is your band's take normally on that <laughs> we work through the issues as we go yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i would say i probably take on a little bit more of a role of kind of managing and, and dealing with the business side of things. So mm -hmm. along with that, I kind of have to facilitate um, some of the, re the relational aspects. But I mean, sure. everyone in the band uh, can have their moments. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think we all work together well as a team. Good. Okay. So I mean, it, I mean, there's there's like I said, there's always going to be conflicts. But I think overall, 
there's um we have a good set of guys here that that work well together so it's not the end of the world in that sense as far as uh having to manage relations in that sense that's great all right that's awesome so let me go back a second to when you were talking about touring and playing live shows being a political band i'm sure you get a lot of you know maybe depending on if people really understand the lyrics which they definitely can on the album i'm not sure how it would be live or not but do you get people that come up and will literally argue with you or do you have people come up who generally agree with what you're talking about you know i don't think too many people in the live setting have tried to uh approach us in a negative fashion about our message yet um i mean the internet's a much more uh emboldening place <laughs> sure. where um if someone disagrees with you they're gonna let you know that they disagree with you probably more so than if they actually agree with you <laughs> um but i mean usually it's it's support when when Good. we play out live um i mean it, as we continue to play out, I'm, I'm sure at some point we're probably going to run into someone that is going to tell us straight to our face that they're that they're not about what we're about. And, right. and that's fine. I mean, I, I would welcome and encourage that kind of dialogue. I mean, I think that a lot of times, you know, just having a healthy, open dialogue with someone can really help them see something from a different perspective. And, yeah. and who knows? Maybe maybe I'll learn something new. Um, but at the same time, I, I know what I stand for, you know? Um, so I mean, I, I would encourage it. I mean, as long as we're not hostile about it uh, and no pun intended, obviously, but, (laughs) But, um, um, yeah, (laughs) I'd be down for it though. Right. (laughs) No, that's great. And that's what I wasn't sure about because I would say in most cases, when you see a band, you know, at their merch table, People are going up there because they, you know, they enjoy what they heard and they want to, you know, buy merch, have a little conversation with who they like. It's more like when someone's playing live that you can tell if someone's with you or against you based on music style and possibly lyrics. So if you've got that covered, then I think you're all good. Right. And I mean, we're we're not really a preachy band as far as our, our actual stage show goes. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to – I might mention – a few things here and there about what this song may be about, but I I usually try to keep it brief because I mean, just like, you know, if you have like a religious band playing a show, you you don't want to hear them preaching to you the entire set. And I don't think anyone really wants that at at a, at any type of show for any type of topic, really. I mean, some people, some people are very impassioned speakers uh, when they get in front of people. Yeah. Uh, I'd say I do better with performing than I do speaking to audiences. <laughs> so I'd much rather, you know, keep it short and sweet and let the music speak for itself. And, you know, hopefully that will captivate them enough to, to get into it and, and maybe learn something after, you know, they listen to the album or something, you know, I mean, that's, that's the most I can, I can hope for in that sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Total sense. All right. Let me ask you, because I've been wanting to ask you this. Let's go back to politics for a second. This will be the last political question that I have for you. (laughs) It's something that I go back and forth on all the time. So net neutrality. It's a big topic question that, you know, came up, what, maybe six months ago, and now it's kind of disappeared and it'll come up again. But now with us both kind of leaning more libertarian, I kind of go back and forth on this because... I'm for net neutrality in a way where I don't trust. It's hard to say because I don't really trust the government to control it, 
but then I'm also not sure I trust the public sector to control it either. And I wonder what your take on it is. Exactly. Well, and that's, you're already hitting the nail on the head right there. Um, I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to both. Um, I mean, we're talking truly from a free market aspect. I mean, if there was more competition, if there was more service providers that we could deal with, I think that you'd see a free market solution that could really um, kind of regulate things itself. But because of the monopolization of of ISPs, um, I think that you have a much harder time of of really allowing for that. So, I mean, government does have its place in certain ways, and I think breaking up monopolies is definitely one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if but at the same time, I I don't really trust government to have control over uh, over the internet as well. I mean, if right. you're paying, if you if you're using more of a resource. And like, let's say you're like the Netflix out there that's taking up a huge amount of bandwidth. Right. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's, it's a sub- substantial amount of the internet. Right, right. Um, it goes into video streaming and especially for a service like Netflix. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with an organization like that, um, you know, being charged a, a, a little bit of a higher rate. Right. But at the same time, I mean, there's also the, the concept of whether or not you're worried about, you know, a corporation censoring or you're worried about the government censoring. I mean, it, it's it's kind of a catch-22 in that sense. So I don't think either one right now is is a perfect solution. You know, no. uh, at the same time, I you didn't see too many cases of, of severe abuse by corporations before uh, net neutrality was in place. Right. Uh, does it mean that it could that they, that corporations could be abusing it at some point? I mean, yeah, there there is that potential. Um, but I think the demop, demonopolization of these ISPs would be a better thing to target than right. giving it to the hands of the government necessarily. Yeah, and I think you once again also hit it on the head there. I think that's the issue because I I mean I had a whole speech about net neutrality. <laughs> I went off on it for sure when I knew about this stuff as well. And I kind of tried to hit all the other topics as well. But it's very difficult when people don't really understand. You know, there are certain people that in the United States, they have options for different ISPs where, you know, you look at myself, who's in the center of Boston, you know, right there. I only have one and that's it. And they've been taking advantage of us for years. And that's the way it is in a lot of major cities. So when they start talking about repealing net neutrality, and by the way, I hate the name net neutrality. To me, (laughs) it's very global warming-esque where, you know what I mean? Like they've chosen the worst way to describe it. Instead of saying- They they package it as something that it's not 100% genuine. Yes, and it's meant to confuse you. It's meant to give the opposition a way to say, well, that's not really what it is. You know, you right. have to look at it this way, and that never works well for the American public, that's for sure. So that's one thing. But then also, you know, a lot of people in cities that only have that one ISP, for sure, they're going to take advantage. If net neutrality right. isn't in place, they are going to lower the speeds of Netflix and Spotify and whatnot and charge you more money so that you can get those at their regular speed. The problem always is the corporations don't get charged the consumers get charged. Right. 
I think I tripped over that. The consumers get charged. So, yeah, it's just one of those, yeah, once again, like you said, a cat's 22. Definitely. That's for sure. All right. Wow, we have been talking a lot, and I love this conversation. But I need to ask you a couple questions to make sure that we've got everything covered here. So, obviously, new album just came out. The new branding of the band, Hostile Array. What's the next step for the band now? Um, honestly, we're we're already kind of talking about maybe writing a few new songs. I don't know necessarily if we have uh have the goals for an album just yet. Maybe uh you might see a couple songs pop up uh you know sometime late this year or early next. Um, but other than that, um, you know, just trying to play out as much as we can. Uh, like I said, we'll have a new video coming out hopefully soon. Um, so other than that, just trying to, you know, reach as far as we can. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. But let me bring up something you just talked about. So I'm a big fan of the music videos that you make. Do you guys do those in-house? Do you bring someone in? Because they seem to capture exactly what you want in the message. And then also they look professional. So um, the, the videos that we've done, um, have been, we've worked with two different videographers, both brilliant in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first videographer we worked with was for our video Devoid, right. um, which we worked with a, a local uh, videographer and photographer, Ian Bell, mm-hmm. one of the nicest in this well-rounded artistic minds in this area, in my opinion. I, I love working with him. Um, he does, he does all of our, our promo shots as, as of yet as well. Um, and we just, we fed him that concept and he ran with it. Um, we had a couple revisions for it to get it quite where we wanted it, but I, I think that, uh, the imagery there was, was spot on, Good. uh, okay. when he, when he gave that back to us, um, all the, all the videos we, we pitched a concept and, and kind of laid out, this is how we want this to go. And then um the videographer will will then run with it uh the second video we did herd instinct was uh, a team actually we worked with uh, michael burkholder a um a uh, videographer in the area that uh from i would say chambersburg area pennsylvania mm-hmm. um and it was edited by brad adam who has done our video for warmonger and uh and newspeak as well Okay. Um, so again, we, we pitched them the concept and they just kind of run with it. Uh, Brad especially has been, um, incredible to work with. Uh, he is, there's something about his style that is, in my opinion, unique. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Everything from the, from the color gradient, he decides to, to kind of show through his work and his editing is just, that's, I think where he, he shines um to kind of really capture that not just the visually what you want but that that emotion that goes with the with the track and in the visuals as well right um and like i said brad's work has been he's been such a blessing to work with in that sense um he's also going to be re- working on our our latest latest video coming out uh probably in the next couple months hopefully very nice um so yeah i would definitely say check out any of his work as well um i think one of the he just released it's completely different genre but he just uh worked on the the latest little skies video actually oh okay (laughs) um so definitely definitely check out his work as well very nice no that's great brendan and i think that is a great place to stop for tonight i'm sure we could go on and talk tons of 
religion and politics and you know music and everything else. So you'll definitely have to come back on the show again. But until then, I'm going to have links in the description of the episode so that everyone can support you. We'll make it very easy so people can pick up the new self-titled so that they can talk to you, follow you on social media, all that good stuff. But until then, what is the best way for people to support you? Right now, I mean, if you're a Spotify or Apple Music listener, stream it, you know, follow us on there so you can keep up with us. Uh, if you if you buy music still, iTunes, Amazon, all that, I mean, anything really to just keep those uh, keep those streams and, and numbers high, I guess. I mean, it, I mean, not only that, but I mean, if you actually like what you're hearing, then share it with a friend. I yeah. mean, word of mouth is so powerful and should never be underestimated when it comes to music. So, I mean, that's that's really the most we can ask for. Very true. So, yeah, Brendan. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun speaking with you. And thank you again for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. When you are made for false reasons, justified with self-defense, manipulated above you. Just respect all your lies Back up my way
we are back, and the track you just heard was Hostile Array with Warmonger. I love really switching it up in a conversation like that. Talking music and politics is really a lot of fun. I hope you got something out of that, just like I did. A big thanks goes to Brendan for coming on the show. Can't wait to have him back on again. And another big thank you to Alex for setting all of this up. Much appreciated. You can support Hostile Array by following the links in the description of the episode. Make sure you pick up the new album. You won't regret it. And if you liked what you heard, you can support Ian Hates by following the other links in the description. Thank you all for listening and for your continued support. It really does mean a lot to me. We're going to end with the newest track off Hostile Array's self-titled album. This is Newspeak. And I will leave you the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.